Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. probably get tired of hearing it because it's going to be seen all year right behind me on the wall. Uh, Stay strong. Why? This is our 65th anniversary and this entire year we're going to celebrate 65 years of being a strong lighthouse church right here in Tucson and I am so thankful um, for Pastor Johnson, the vision he had back in 1958 to come here and establish Tucson Baptist Temple, uh, later changed to Tucson Baptist Church. I am so thankful for uh, his vision. And we've only had two pastors in that 65 years, and uh, we're still desirous to stay strong, be strong. And uh, what does that mean? Well, that means a lot of things to a lot of different people. Are we a good social club? Do we have a good bingo on Friday night? Uh, do we have uh, uh, activities that, is, that just makes us feel good? What does it mean to be strong? May I help us understand that this morning? We want to be strong in what we've sang about this morning. That's Jesus Christ. He's the one who's made the difference and why every one of us should be here today. But we also want to be strong in, in the fact that we are not ashamed of the gospel and that we're willing to tell other people about Jesus Christ. We want to be strong in our prayer life. Do you know this morning that there's there's some folks that are carrying some special burdens? For example, um, Leroy, one of our our older church members, he's been here, uh, he goes back to the days of Methuselah. I mean, he's been here a long, long time. And, uh, and uh, Leroy, uh, has, he's, he's served as a deacon for many years, took then several years taking care of his wife before she slipped into eternity. Um, and, and he was just sharing with me uh, this morning that he has a niece named Kathy. And if you want to write that name down there on your, uh, on your notes to pray for Kathy. On Friday, right here in Tucson, uh, she was in a traumatic car wreck and she, her body is completely broken from her neck down. Yeah, just many, 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 many injuries. And she's uh, right there, right now in ICU in St. Joe's Hospital. And, you know, um, we need Leroy to be strong for his, for his niece. But we as a church, we can pray for this. And we've already mentioned a number of prayer requests. We need to be strong in our prayer life. But, folks, we've got to be strong in our families, too. Has anyone noticed how... Many families are being destroyed by this reason or that reason. The devil is trying to shred our families. We've got to have strong families to have a strong church. Um, We need to be strong in our interpersonal relationships as brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't want there to be schism or division within our church. We need to be strong. We need to be strong in our work relationships that I have a testimony that others see that I am. Not ashamed of Jesus Christ. So this theme is not just singular in its focus. It encompasses our entire life. Our relationship with the Lord. Our relationship in our family. Our relationship in the church. Our relationship in the community. We have many relationships in life that we need to be strong in. Understanding 
that it is with our relationship with the Lord. Right here in Daniel chapter 6, I shared with you a week ago our vision. And uh, in, in sharing that, I said I'm going to preach 12 messages. And we're going to take Bible characters and draw out 12 principles of how we can stay strong in this year um, uh, as it, we celebrate our 65th anniversary. And so we have a story. And so often when we look at a story like this, we... Um, we think of, oh, this is a children's story. This is a vacation Bible story because in Daniel chapter number 6, we call it Daniel and the lion's den. And we know all about the lion's den. And here, let me just help you with that. Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. The lions didn't eat him, and the king was happy. There we go. We got the story. But do you know there's so much more to the backdrop of that story? before he was ever thrown in the lion's den. And so I'm going to use this character this morning to share with you our first principle, and that is someone is taking your picture. Someone is taking your picture. Now, we all use different social media. Uh, Some of us use Facebook, some use Twitter, some use Instagram, and some are using uh, apps that I haven't even heard of before. So we all do different social media, but I would think those would be the big three. And what is interesting is how many people put up pictures on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And usually those pictures uh, uh, are either, hey, look at me. I've been able to achieve this. I graduated from high school. I graduated from college. Or I finished well in some race. And so we'll put up a picture letting everyone know I did okay. But sometimes, like this past week, there was a kidnapping in France. And someone from their window took pictures of this kidnapping, or or took a video of this kidnapping as it was happening in France, where five people kidnapped another man, beat him up, threw him in the back of the car, and drove away. What they didn't know, somebody was watching. And somebody captured that, and the police were able to use that video. Um... But there's also sometimes we'll take a picture, uh, one of our children or grandchildren, they have their, their fingers stuck all the way up in their nose. And we'll take a picture, and they're completely oblivious that someone took a picture of them doing that. Or we'll photobomb a picture. In other words, we love to take pictures. In fact, if everyone were to take out their phone and go to their, their, that place on their phone, depending on where it is, what type of phone you have, you have a picture folder. And if I, could, if I were to come up to you and say, hey, can you show me your grandchildren, your children? It would take you milliseconds. Boom. And there's this, oh no, I'm so sorry I asked that question. (laughs) Because you have pictures on your phone. You've taken pictures. And there are pictures of other people. Well, I want to take that and make a spiritual application today. My 12 messages are going to be very practical. If we can't change where we live, getting into into the deep uh, roots of, of biblical theology and you yawn and you fall asleep... It does no good. I want to help our church be strong Christians this year and understand why we need to be strong Christians. And it is true that on any team uh, with players that are humble and encouraging and grateful, they may not always win every game. And no doubt, these characteristics, they create better teammates. 
um, I think about that being grateful and humble and encouraging and um, these characteristics, they can create a great team. They could create a great church. They could create a great family. They could create a great workplace environment. Um, We have so much to do with how our team fares. And so I want to look at Daniel, and let's see, did Daniel influence his team? Now, we're just going to read through the story, okay? I'm going to go ahead and read through it so I can put emphasis here and there. But follow along. Uh, Don't check out. This is a great story. Daniel chapter 6. Let's look, beginning in verse number 1. Now, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. This had to have been a great big kingdom. In other words, uh, it was so vast, the responsibilities were so great um, that the king couldn't do it alone. He needed some help. And so he, he found 120 people that could help him dispense the business of the kingdom. Verse number 2. And over these, that's the 120 princes, he established three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give account unto them, and the king should have no damage. In other words, I'm going to, I, I've set up 120 people that in various aspects of government, they are going to report to these three people, given the title of president, and, um, and all of this is done to protect me as the king so that uh, there's no harm to the kingdom. So these people had to have been people that had demonstrated loyalty to the kingdom, loyalty to the king. Verse number three. Do you see why we're not doing responsive? reading that just wouldn't work this morning. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. In other words, the king said, wait, Daniel is so amazing, he's better than the other two presidents that I've selected. I think I'm going to create another level, and everyone's going to report to Daniel. That's what the king is thinking here. Verse number four, then the presidents and the princes, they sought occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, uh, but they could find none occasion, no fault, for as much as he was faithful. May I ask you, if we were to follow you or uh, 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 if we were to follow you along through the course of your day, we were to go home with you at night, I wonder if we would hear the report. Man, I have followed, and put your name in there, I have followed them 24 hours. I followed them for a whole week, and that person is faithful. I would ask you to look with me at three thoughts this morning that I think that that could be a help to us. And the first thought uh, comes from verse number three when the Bible says that this Daniel, he was preferred above the presence and officials because there was an excellent spirit in him. Here's what I see. Daniel controlled the controllables. Daniel controlled the the controllables. Every single person under the sound of my voice this morning, there are two things in life that you have control over. That is your attitude and that is your effort. You have control over your attitude and your effort. Your attitude and your effort. Let me use a sports analogy. The fact of the matter is, is that every player has the ability to control his attitude 
That's his response to his teammates, his response to the opposing team, his response to the officials, no matter what sport that is. He controls his response to his coaches. He has the ability to control his attitude. Have you ever seen a sports person that had a bad attitude? It reeks, and it, it, it affects the rest of the team. And it's like a cancer that spreads throughout that team when there's someone who has a bad attitude. But have you ever seen someone in church that sings with a good attitude? They smile from ear to ear. The warmth that comes out of, uh, of them sing, uh, singing, it, it impacts you. Like, i got to sing. How about your effort? I uh, have three children. I've watched all three of my children play sports. The primary two sports uh, uh, that they played, that they excelled at, was soccer. And my daughter played volleyball. Uh, and I've watched them, and I made it a priority to be at their games. And, and, uh, uh, and there have been times, specifically when Pastor Jonathan in a soccer game, um, that he was down by three goals. And in soccer, if you're down by three goals, that you might as well be down uh, by, by 40 points if you were in football. It is a big, big ask to overcome being down by three goals. I'm telling you that I watched this young man uh, as he went through high school that no score was too, too big for him to quit on the field. His effort from the, from the opening whistle to the final whistle, uh, final whistle in a game, his effort was like uh, going 90 miles an hour. He gave, he gave, he gave of, of, uh, of everything that he had to win, um, to be the best. I, I think of last Sunday, we had our Spanish congregation with us. Many of you have responded, what it, it was great. It was, a, it was great to, to have them here. And, of course, they filled up. Uh, uh, I don't know if they'd be able to be here. Our attendance is so great today. I don't know where we'd have put all the Spanish people. But, uh, but uh, they were with us last week. And uh, how many of you remember singing some words that you had no idea what they were? That's as close to speaking in tongues as you're allowed here in this church. We were singing. I was standing down here. Shelly was beside me, and I was giving it all my effort. I was singing. She elbows me, and she goes, I don't think you should sing that loud. Um, they would say this long word, and, and I think it would be drawn out, and I'm trying to sing that long word, and it was like really short. And then there would be this little short word, and I would, I would say it quick, and it's still going on. I, I, did, I don't understand Spanish. But my effort was there. I gave up my all. Um, but I also noticed sometimes that um, out of the corner of my eye, because I can see a, a sliver. So if you, if, you don't wanna, if you really don't want me to see you sing or not sing, it'd be best for you to sit in that back corner because it's really hard. But I can see like this whole section of the auditorium. So I'll talk to you right now. I see your effort on Sunday mornings. Now, some of you are giving a great effort of looking around at everyone else to see who's here. You do. And then there's some people you should be singing in the choir. Your effort is over the top. You love to sing. And I would invite you uh, to talk with uh, Tabitha about joining our choir. Effort. You know, we put effort in how we get ready in the morning. We put effort in what happens when we get to church, whether we sing, we pray, we participate. Our effort. Uh, the Bible says that Daniel, he controlled 
the controllables. Daniel's life was full of events that he simply could not control. But because he had an excellent spirit, the king thought to set him over the entire kingdom. When a person focuses solely on maximizing their attitude and their effort, may I tell you some great things can happen. And if you get nothing out of my message, take from the life of Daniel this. If you control your efforts and you control your attitude, great things will happen this year. Those two things, if you'll do that. As church employees and church members, there is so uh, so much that we cannot control during uh, the course of each day. We cannot control other members. We can't control our parents. We can't control our grandparents. We can't control other people's efforts. But here's one thing we can do. We can control ourselves when it comes to attitude and effort. Daniel could have become bitter. Daniel could have become angry due to his circumstances. But the Bible says in verse number 3, he had what? An excellent spirit. An excellent attitude. An incredible effort in his life. His attitude really did determine his altitude. What was his altitude? What was the ceiling? The king said, I think that I made a mistake. I don't need three presidents. I need one president, and I need everybody in my kingdom to report to Daniel. Why? Because he had an excellent attitude, an excellent spirit. Can life throw at you some difficult things? Can it? Absolutely. Kathy didn't intend on having a horrific automobile accident this past week, but it happened. And honestly, the recovery that she will, will have is, is determined by her attitude and the effort that she will make in recovering from those injuries. Just like Ann Cruz, who, who is here, and last year she had a, a, a horrific uh, auto accident and was in rehab for, for many years, I mean, for many months, and in those uh, many months uh, there were struggles and ups and downs. But you know what? She's here today because she had an attitude and an effort that I'm going to get back to church. Maybe your marriage this morning, maybe it's a little rocky. Your attitude and your effort of what you put into that can strengthen your marriage or, or, or maintain and, and keep it strong. Maybe you're struggling in your classes and school and, and, um, and, it's, and, and really that struggles because you're not putting the effort in necessary with the right attitude to succeed. Daniel controlled what he could control and that was his attitude and his effort. Notice with me this morning a second thing that we will see in this passage of Scripture. And this is so important for all of us, is that Daniel respected non-perfect authority. Daniel respected non-perfect authority. Would you drop down to verse number 4? And Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 4, Then the presidents and officials, they, they sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no fault because the Bible says this, he was faithful. There was no fault. He, he was faithful. He, 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 there was no error in him. There was no fault in him. It truly is amazing when I look at the life of Daniel. Uh, have you ever thought that 
the Bible's command for us to respect authority, it is not conditional based on, on the goodness or the morality of the authority that God has placed in our life. Let me illustrate for you. Daniel grew up in this Babylonian kingdom and, and listen to what happened during his tenure. First of all, there was King Nebuchadnezzar. How many of you have heard of Nebuchadnezzar? What is so significant about Nebuchadnezzar is that he made this great big statue, this huge statue. And uh, he, being lifted up with pride, he said, I want the entire kingdom to do what? To bow down to me. But there were three young men who refused to bow down to him. Their names? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they refused to bow down. He made this decree. Everyone should bow down to him. And uh, uh, by the way, we don't know where Daniel is, but I can absolutely assure you Daniel did not bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar. Well, then, as Daniel's growing up through the Babylonian Empire, he then has to be under Belshazzar. And Belshazzar actually mocked God uh, by taking the vessels out of the temple. And yet, Daniel had to serve under this, this wicked person who violated something that was very sacred to the Hebrew people. And now Daniel is under King Darius. And the king, has, uh, uh, the king here is, in spite of all of Daniel's loyalty, his great attitude, and his amazing effort, we know that he was thrown in the, the lion's den. If we, if we only have successful days, if we only have perfect services on Sunday based upon everything being done perfect by perfect people, uh, we're not going to win many Sundays. And we're not going to experience the fruit of success. We must learn to be successful even when there are imperfect people in our life. By the way, is everyone imperfect in your life? A hundred percent. Everyone that you come in contact, come in contact with is an imperfect perfect person. And so we have to maximize our attitude and effort when we have these imperfect people. Now, pick up with me in the story. Back to Daniel chapter 6 here, okay? Daniel chapter 6, verse number 5. Then, these, then said these men, we shall not find an occasion against this Daniel except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled uh, together to the king and, and, sa and, and said thus unto him, O King Darius, live forever, all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes. Now, was that a true statement, all the presidents of the kingdom? Was that a true statement? No, that absolutely was not true. Uh, Daniel wasn't a part of this. Uh, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree. Sign the writing that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which alter not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Well, that sounded pretty good to him. Everybody in the kingdom has to express their devout, undying loyalty to me for a period of 30 days, and they cannot, um, they cannot uh, in any manner uh, worship somebody else, some other God. And we have to understand there's a plurality of gods. Uh, there were a number of mixed up beliefs going on during this time. I'd like to share with you a third thought that comes from the life of Daniel, and that is this. Daniel was not afraid to have his picture taken. Daniel was not afraid to have his picture 
taken. In verse number 5, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel unless we find it, um, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. In other words, I am not going to find uh, uh, anything, any chink in the armor uh, unless it involves Daniel and his God. May I say, you never know who is taking your picture. You never know. What do I mean by that? Who is watching you? Who is listening to you? Who sees you from afar? I was um, at, uh, I, I frequent uh, the same Starbucks. I usually stop and get an unsweetened iced tea. Um, it's very boring. It's one of the cheapest drinks at Starbucks. Uh, uh, but I usually stop at the same one every day. I mean, uh, every day uh, on my way in, I'll get an unsweetened iced tea. And I, I've been doing this for, for on and off for years. And so um, two weeks ago, I stopped at the store that I always go to, and I was waiting that my drink wasn't quite ready. And, um, and, the, and the man uh, behind the, the counter, uh, he said, uh, Brent, can I ask you a question? I said, well, sure. Um, he says, are you a pastor of a church? I said, oh, no. What have I done or not done? <laughs> he said, uh, I said, yes, sir, I, I sure am. And, and uh, I, I see him every morning, and um, uh, he's usually uh, in the back. He does inventory, and he's a, uh, I, I usually uh, talk to the other young lady who makes the drink, and, uh, and, and she knows that I'm a pastor of church because we've talked before. Um, and so maybe she said something. He goes, well, he said, it's just interesting. Every Sunday morning you come in with a suit and tie. Nobody does that on Sunday morning. And so I've been trying to figure out, are you a lawyer? Well, lawyers don't work on Sunday, um, so, uh, so you must be a pastor of a church. And then he said this. He says, you always have such a great attitude, even when we're running behind. I just want to say thank you. You never know who is watching you. Now, sadly, I can give you some stories where I haven't had such a good attitude. I'm embarrassed by those times. And I'm reminded of my frailty and my humanity as a person, my sinfulness as a person, when those times when I let my attitude slide away and I do get frustrated. Folks, whenever we go to a restaurant, that server, do you know that servers usually aren't making a lot of money and getting fabulously wealthy? Many times those are, are single moms who are just trying to put food on their table. And sometimes we give our servers fits. I was with a church member a couple years ago. I was so embarrassed I wanted to crawl under the table. The, um, the family we were in, they're not here today. Um, um, uh, we were we were at a, we were at Longhorn Steakhouse and uh, we were eating and um, and they jumped all over our server because they put a lemon in their drink and they specifically asked that a lemon not be in their drink and said what's your problem don't you listen what's your problem don't you listen I was so embarrassed because we prayed over our meal and that server saw us pray over our meal. But the attitude of that church member that I was with um, completely discounted and took away everything at that moment. If that's what Christianity is, I don't want anything to do with that. And come to find out, it was a single mom who was just trying to put food on their table. May I just tell you, when you go to a restaurant, you should be kind to your servers. You have no idea what stress that they are under back in the kitchen and serving six tables and, and grumpy people. Well, we as Christians and believers should not be the grumpy people that they have to get frustrated with. 
in our humanness, sometimes we do, and that's where an apology can go a long way when we get frustrated. But that happens in every area. Have you ever been to the DMV? <laughs> I think I just got my answer. Uh, we, had, we had a situation just a couple weeks ago. Uh, uh, I was talking with one of our young men. His name is Logan. And, uh, and I said, Logan, I can talk with you. I said, but I've got to go to the DMV to take care of something on behalf of the church. And so we went up here to this one, uh, to, uh, to the one DMV office right up here on 22nd Street. And he said, I'm sorry, we can't handle that. You have to go to the DMV. Oh, oh no. Instantly, my, in, in an instant, my attitude was like, oh. Man, how many of you can relate to that? I haven't been there, in a, I haven't been there since before COVID, so I went there, and sure enough, the, the whole building's redesigned, and now you have this, uh, this bank line that you have to stand in, and, and, uh, and, we, and we get up there. And so, so honestly, here's my attitude. Hey, Logan's watching everything I'm doing. And I had a great attitude, and I'm thankful Logan was with me. But Logan shouldn't have had to be with me for me to have a great attitude. And we got up there, and I was so friendly. And that lady, she helped us. We, and, and Logan was talking to her, and he had a great attitude. He didn't even understand why we were there, but he was talking to that lady. And, uh, and, 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 and we just had a great time. And she helped us. It was amazing what a great attitude can do at the DMV. We control our attitude. We control our effort. And sometimes there's imperfect people in our life that rub us the long way, and we can have a control over our attitude. This story here of Daniel, um, the, these, these, uh, uh, these unruly uh, men that have come up and said, we have got to find a way to defeat Daniel. Do you know there's some people that desire to do right, and people will make up accusations against them? Why? Jealousy, guilt, I don't know all of the reasons, hatred because they seem to be blessed, because maybe they're going a different direction. Daniel was one of those people. And they knew this, that every day Daniel prayed three times a day. Now, would you listen to this? These people didn't have to go try to find something against Daniel. They already knew Daniel's testimony. Can I ask you, does anyone know that you pray and read your Bible every day? Would it embarrass you to maybe sit at your coffee shop, open your Bible, and read your Bible while you were having a cup of coffee? Would that embarrass you? Oh, no. What would other people think of me? Not Daniel. The Bible says that this was just part of his life. It was what he did. Three times a day, he would pray toward Jerusalem. And uh, he had a relationship with his God. He talked to him. This story here reminds me of... Uh, uh, about people taking your picture. I, I read a story, and of course it's, uh, these stories happen all the time, but uh, uh, a, a, a young man went in to rob a bank. He pointed a gun at the teller, and uh, the, whatever buttons they can push, it was just a matter of minutes. The police arrived, and uh, the young man uh, uh, pointed that gun at a police officer. He was shot, and he lost his life. Upon investigation, all the video and um, pictures that were taken, they found that this young man who was deceased, that he actually had a toy gun. And the fact is, uh, it looked real. In actuality, it could not have hurt a single person. It was fake. And he lost his life over that. 
in spite of the fact that the robber didn't have a real firearm, he still suffered the consequences. Do you know the world's watching us? And as Christians working in in a church ministry, as Christians who go to a church ministry, and and hundreds of you have ministries right here, whether it's singing in the choir and working in Awana or ushering or security or helping us in our nurseries or whatever you do, there are hundreds of people that work in ministry here. And may I just tell you, it's important that we avoid toy gun lifestyles. We use toy gun language. It sounds really close to the world. Maybe it isn't necessarily inappropriate, but in the heat of the moment, um, it's just so close to the real thing that it sounds like we're using language that's unbecoming to a Christian. The world's watching us. The world's listening to us. And since we do not know who is taking our picture, I want to challenge our church that we always understand this. Since somebody is watching me, since someone is listening to me, that I must always strive with my attitude and with my effort to give an accurate picture of Jesus Christ. And that means when I'm traveling and I'm at a hotel, can someone tell that I'm a Christian? That means if I go to the local Starbucks, can someone look at me and hear the things that I say and say, there's something a little different about him. When I go to the restaurant and my server gets my order completely wrong, I, I was with some folks just uh, this past week and I ordered three eggs and sourdough toast and I'm, uh, I was still on my, I, I'm not having any sugar or anything uh, uh, this first 14 days of the month and so I, I was keeping with that and uh, they brought my food, the, the, the toast was burnt and they brought me two eggs. I had an opportunity at that moment to let them know how dissatisfied I was but I remembered I was with other Christians from our church And everybody, everybody at that particular restaurant knows I'm a pastor of a church. There's nothing to be gained and everything to be lost by giving them a piece of my mind. Toy gun language. Close to the world. Uh, Folks, I want to challenge us that the world is watching. The world is listening. I need to control the controllables, my attitude and my effort. I understand that there are imperfect people in this world I have to understand this, is that as there's imperfect people, that I must always understand someone is trying to take my picture, and therefore, do I accurately reflect Christ? The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 22 that we're to abstain from how many appearances of evil? All. I'm to... Be different than the appearance of evil. King Darius, he ends this account. Look with me. uh, uh, We know that that they found him, and we know that King Darius, he he lamented that he had ever, ever uh, made this decree. And we know that that he walked all night, and he he didn't get any sleep, and he even said, don't bring the musical instruments to me uh, to soothe me while I'm trying to sleep at night. He knew that he had messed up, and he knew that his friend, his loyal comrade, the person that meant so much to him in his kingdom, the person that he could give the kings, the keys of the kingdom to, he by now his own decree was going to be eaten alive by the, by the, by the lions. But King Darius, an unsaved, ungodly man, he even said to Daniel, Daniel, I believe your God 
can bring you through. And I don't know how he's going to do it, but your God is going to bring you through tonight. Daniel said, hey, it's okay. I haven't had a good night of sleep in a while. So I'm going to go down there with those lions. That's going to be the best mattress I've ever had. King, don't worry about it. Oh, the king, he paced all night long. And here's the thing. The Bible says that he got up early in the morning. As soon as the, as soon as the, the, the rays of the sun were just cresting the hill, he was there. Daniel, did your God save you? Did somebody say something? Oh, man, that was a good... Why'd you wake me up so early, King Darius? Daniel was... He was fine. He and those lions had a great time because the Bible says God sent an angel to be with Daniel that night. Boy, isn't that awesome? Do you know that you don't need an angel? Because as a believer, you have the Holy Spirit of God living within you. You have God, the God of heaven living within your temple, your body, if you're a believer. King Darius, he said, I make a decree that every single man, boy, girl, woman, they must worship and tremble at the God of Daniel. Do you have that kind of impact that other people want to be around you and say, I want your God. I want whatever you've got. I want your family. How did your family turn out that way? I want, hey, listen, in your workplace, there's trials and there's pressures and you're chill. You're sleeping with the lions. It's all good because my attitude, my effort's right. And they say, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you upset? Why aren't you uh, in disarray like King Darius and fretting and, and pacing up and down? You know why? I got God on my side. He's right with me. Can someone take your picture and see Daniel? Can someone take your picture and see what a relationship with Jesus Christ is all about? I'm quite certain that Daniel was glad that he was caught doing right while someone else was taking his picture. What if they had come up to take the picture in Daniel's house and look through the window and they saw something Daniel doing that was wicked and evil. Sinister. They didn't. Do you know what Daniel's crime was? Praying to God. Can someone catch you and take your picture and find you doing things that are right?